The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. And every week, myself or my co-host, Dr. Scott, come to you with the information regarding health care that you need so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family's well-being. We talk about the subjects that doctors are talking about in doctors' lounges all across the country. And our show is sponsored by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. Um, we, uh, as an organization, stand for healthcare freedom for all Americans, and we fight to preserve the doctor-patient relationship. So please go to our website at wwwd the number four pcfoundation.org that's d4pcfoundation.org help us to continue to bring this show to you and to continue to do the work that we do all across the country so that we can uh, continue to uh, fight the good fight for you well um, it is a new year and I wanted to uh, wish everybody a happy and healthy uh, 2024. I hope that you all had a very happy holiday season, a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and a happy New Year. Um, I know that uh, everybody that I spoke to who had time off really needed that time to recharge their batteries. It's been a heck of a year in 2023. And I think that we should all prepare to buckle up for a crazy ride in 2024. Um, before I get started, um, I wanted to express my condolences to a dear, dear friend, a frequent co-host of this show, Dr. Ori Hampel, whose uh, dear wife, Daniela, um at, uh, uh sadly uh passed away after a long and brave fight against breast cancer which unfortunately um claims too many young women's lives these days um Daniela was a brilliant um woman a lawyer a mom uh, dedicated conservative supporting Ori, who you've heard speak on this show behind this microphone before. So, um, again, condolences to the Hampel family, and I'd like to dedicate this show today to uh, Daniela. You know, before the break, I had offered people to support the show um by supporting the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and making a uh, contribution, a tax-deductible contribution for 2023 um, so that uh, they could 
um, be recognized on the show or be a guest or a co-host on the show. And not a single person took me up on that offer, which is surprising to me and really quite disappointing because apparently I have a lot of listeners who who reach out to me um, by um, they have my phone or they have my my personal email or they run into me and they tell me how much they enjoy this show and this was an opportunity for people to uh, take advantage of that just to restate what that was if you went to the Docs for Patient Care website donated $250 which is basically supporting a show we will recognize you for $500, we'll have you on as a guest during a segment of this show. And for $1,000, you will be given the opportunity to co-host a show with me. You get to pick your topic, and we will talk about it, and and uh, and you'll have uh, a chance to uh, uh, be the host of the Doctor's Lounge. Even though that tax-deductible opportunity for 2023 has um, has gone, coming on. That opportunity is still there on the table for anybody who wishes to, uh, to accept that challenge. And, um, and it's still a tax-deductible contribution. It'll be for 2024. So... Please do this. Take advantage of this. If you do make that contribution, contact us at Doctors Lounge at America's Web Radio dot com, and I will be back in touch with you to uh, uh, get specifics about um, who you are and uh, at what level you've contributed and where we go from there. So please, please uh, uh, show your support for this show. For the doctors, for the doctors' lounge, and for docs for patient care, and for what we're doing. One other announcement on March 14th to 16th in Orlando, um, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation is going to be hosting our annual uh, direct primary care symposium, nuts and bolts. Um, this is an opportunity for doctors who wish to get out of the hamster wheel of insurance and uh, engage in direct uh, care to patients without uh, a third party in the middle, um, this is your opportunity to learn all about that. And our guest uh, speaker, our keynote speaker at that meeting, is a good friend of uh, the show, a friend of mine, um, one of the brightest lights in healthcare in the country. It's Dr. Marty McCary, who you see on uh, TV regularly opining about um, significant healthcare issues that affect our country, and the author of the book, The Price We Pay, probably one of the most provocative 
and uh, eye-opening medical books that you could get your hands on. You'll have an opportunity to hear directly from Dr. McCary and uh, and have a book signed by him. So uh, take advantage of that. Uh, the slots are closing up quickly. There's uh, plenty of time still, though, to uh, sign up for this incredible meeting, which is uh, going to be... Uh, n- unlike any other medical meeting that you've been to. And uh, everybody who's gone to these in the past has expressed that sentiment. <clears throat> so uh, go to the website, www.d4pc.org, and learn about the meeting and sign up. Um, as you... As a regular listener to this show, know I like to read a lot about healthcare issues in reliable healthcare periodicals. And um, every month or two, I bring in some of those articles and uh, discuss them with you because I'm certain that so many of you do not do what I do, which is to scour all these sites and to uh, learn about what's going on around the country. A couple of those sources that I like to uh, rely on uh, are the uh, Healthcare News, which is published by the uh, Heartland Foundation, and uh, and the uh, Epic Times, which often will have a segment devoted just to healthcare. And there are some very provocative articles uh, this uh, month in uh, both publications that I'd like to uh, 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 share with you. But first, let me uh, share with you a uh, uh, episode that took place with me personally um, last week, which I found really amusing. Uh, in our um, medical practice, we train um, urology urology residents in pediatric urology, and we have a fellowship program and have fellows. And part of our academic commitment is to have a journal club, and we um, let our fellow uh, pick uh, articles that he believes he or she, this in this case a he, uh, believes would be helpful, informative, maybe somewhat uh, provocative. Um, because of uh, controversial subjects in healthcare, I've had an opportunity to um, sit down with my current fellow on a regular basis, who is um, he identifies as being a centrist, but to the left of center. I I think that that's probably uh, a uh, uh, over estimate of his position toward the center. I think he's far away from the center than he claims to be. And we've had some very provocative talks. I often will use the opportunity to interact with young people, my residents and my fellows, and find out, you know, what is on their mind about the current state of events in healthcare, in the world, and uh, and see if I can have an influence on them. So my fellow who is picking articles decided to uh to poke me a little bit and choose an article that appeared recently in one of our peer review uh pediatric urology journals and the article 
had to do with DEI in pediatric urology. That's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the gist of the article from the University of Wisconsin at Madison was that we were not doing enough in our specialty to um, promote uh, DEI. We needed to do a better job to have a more inclusive workforce, fellows who were from underrepresented um, groups. And because of the makeup of our programs, we were uh, not being uh, as... as uh, forward thinking as uh, the rest of society is with regard to DEI. We're lagging behind. Well, you can imagine how I responded. I I was actually quite subdued. I let my, my uh, colleagues opine. They really didn't want to say very much because they're afraid, just like everybody else seems to be these days, of ruffling feathers of poking the bear and uh, I have no problem doing that and so after a few minutes of silence when nobody seemed to want to discuss this I couldn't really stand it anymore and I went ahead and I gave my opinion about how um, ridiculous this whole notion is how damaging it is, how it is the antithesis, the enemy of meritocracy, promoting people based on the way that they look or the way that they identify and not taking into account their qualifications, how the, the merits, how, if they've earned it or not. And some of the conversation went, well, you know, there's inequity in the past and we need to make up for it now. And again, I pushed back and I explained to them that's not our job in healthcare to make up for inequities of the past. That will happen evolutionarily if we start to pay attention to fixing some of those problems. And it starts in primary education in these communities give these children an opportunity to to uh, succeed instead of keeping them in failed schools and allowing them to progress through public schools graduating unable to read unable to do basic math skills this is the problem. It's not the problem of color. It's not the problem of race. It's not the problem of, of, uh, identity. It's a problem where the left is keeping people down because they are, uh, beholden to unions, teachers unions, and they want an underclass so that they can, um, they can uh, rule. They can they can dominate. They don't want free thinking people of color because that would be very dangerous for their power structure. And and this is this is something that we need to take an opportunity at every juncture to educate 
our young people today, the people that I deal with on a regular basis, and explain to them that that's not our role. And in fact, by promoting people based on the way that they look, there are two problems. Number one is we may be putting people who are um, not qualified to do the job in positions where they are going to fail. And that will be a uh, a danger to them and a danger to our patients. And that's something that we should not be promoting. The second problem is that the people who advocate for this agenda have used garbage studies in the literature to support their positions. It's almost like the global warming or, uh, um, uh, arguments or the COVID arguments. You find a study that really is not a strong study that supports your position and then you run with it. And that's what they're doing with this DEI. They're saying that people of color do better from a healthcare standpoint when they have people who they can identify with the, by, by the way that they look. And the problem with that is that that's not necessarily the case. That's not true. But what's worse is it sets negative expectations because those people who are in minority uh, communities are being told constantly that they can't trust white people. And so if they've got a white doctor, they may not necessarily follow the the recommendations of that doctor because they're distrustful. And I have uh, a big problem with people telling me that I can't treat people of color the same way that I treat um, uh, people that look like me. That is absolute nonsense, and we've got to push back against that narrative. This is the left. These are the Marxists. These are the people who want to divide us. And they are succeeding because we do not have people who are brave enough to step up and to look these people in the eye and tell them that they're full of crap. That's what I encountered in our journal club the other day. People who were afraid. And you've got to not be afraid. You've got to push back against these people. Because they are Marxists, they hate America, they hate you, they hate everything that our society, our country stands for. And they want to see it brought to its knees so that they could start at year zero. That's why they knocked down all the statues and all of the remnants of the past. They do this so that we don't learn from history Instead, we start over again. And that, that's absolutely the, the recipe for failure because those who are, uh, ignorant about history are doomed to repeat it. We've heard that in various iterations by many smart people over, over the, the last century. Um, let me share with you an article from the Healthcare News talking about Marxism 
and its invasion, its infection into medicine and to healthcare. And this is not hyperbole. This is real, and it's got to be rooted out. And there was an article in the um, healthcare news that was entitled, Medical Students Engage in Anti-Israel Activism. Now, this is crazy. There should be absolutely no place for this in medical school or in residency programs or in hospitals. There should be a firewall between what's going on in society and healthcare. Our Hippocratic Oath implores us to take care of people no matter what. Not to interject politics into it. The best example is actually the Israelis. You know, the Israelis, before this this latest war that was launched against them, would um, be fighting. There were skirmishes along the Lebanese border with Hezbollah in in uh, in Lebanon and and the Golan Heights in Syria. And these people would be welcomed into Israeli hospitals. These are the enemy of the of the of the Jews. They want to see the Jews destroyed. They want to see Israel el- eliminated from the map. But Israelis have compassion. Doctors have compassion. They take care of these people. And and that's what doctors should be doing, not engaging in politics. Um, let me let me um, tell you about this article. So there's a, a, a activist group, a woke activist group called White Coats for Black Lives. Um, it is spearheading an effort to um, to rile up medical students around the country. And get them involved in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, they recently published a letter that was entitled, quote, regarding the increasing harassment and punishment of pro-Palestinian healthcare workers. And that's because there have been, um, repercussions for people who were in healthcare, uh, who were uh, protesting against Israel with slogans like from the river to the sea, which basically means eliminating the entire state of Israel. There were, there were repercussions and this, um, activist Marxist group was, uh, firing back. And their letter demanded that American medical institutions, Quote, reinstate all healthcare providers who have been fired or placed on leave for demanding a ceasefire, quote, I'm sorry, comma, the end of the siege on occupied Gaza, comma, and the end of Israeli occupation, or who have affirmed Palestinians' right to resist in the face of 75 years of relentless oppression. They fail to recognize how this all started with a massacre by by um, Palestinians, by terrorists, on uh, on uh, innocent men, women, and children in Israel doing nothing, uh, attending a uh, a music festival, or waking up in their homes. So that's that's okay, but retaliating is bad, 
and uh, and Israel is the bad guy in this. What is happening is that medical students are being radicalized, um, and they are um, using slogans like mass murder and genocide against Israel that is absolutely just the opposite. This is what Marxists do. They attribute qualities to their enemies, to their opponents, that really describes them. And the pro-Palestinians are the useful idiots for the Marxists right now. They, The Marxists sees any opportunity to um, to capitalize on misery or on chaos, and there's nothing that is more chaotic right now than what's going on in the Middle East. And the, this group um, are uh, using medical students to uh, to promote this instability, this Marxist ideology, and um, what this white coats for black lives are doing is that they are imploring physicians and physicians in training to use their power to amplify Palestinian people's demand for freedom, safety, and dignity. And they're calling for resistance to free themselves from the oppressors by any means necessary. And we know what any means necessary is. It's shutting down a bridge in New York or in San Francisco and creating chaos for everybody. For the medical students that they're radicalizing or doctors that they're radicalizing, it means shutting down a hospital or a healthcare system. And this is something that we cannot stand for. There is no place for this, for for any interest group in, quote, social justice in medicine, this has got to be eliminated and people need to have the guts to speak out and stop this because there is a growing trend among medical trainees to claim social justice as part of their mission. And it could be in the form of immigration reform, ending the electoral college, challenging housing policy, confronting capitalism, dismantling racism. You know, the, 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 the slogans are endless. But these young people are learning at a very early age about how bad America is and how we are illegitimate and they keep hearing this over and over again. And if you say something over and over again, lies become truths. And that's what is is happening with our young people. You hear this all the time. Well, this is my truth. There is no such thing as my truth. There is the truth. And we've lost all virtue and ethics and morality. All of that has gone out the window. We, we see this on a daily basis. And this can't, cannot infect healthcare and medicine. 
it's got to be rooted out like the disease that it is. Um, th- what has happened is that there's now a balkanization of healthcare. It's real. Where you have people who are in this camp who are being brainwashed, indoctrinated, and everybody else who have been taking care of patients for years and years or young people who have not succumbed to this poison. And there is, there is going to, uh, be a, a, uh, a clash of, of, uh, of ideas and and this is exactly what the left wants to see happen the more chaos there is the the more the better they've achieved their um their goal of of subverting our culture of of uh, uh creating something that is disruptive that will help to dismantle our current Capitalistic democracy, republic, the things that they absolutely hate. You know, I am hearing about this, reading about this has really, um, I, I knew that this was happening. It's not a, it's not a shock to me, but the extent of it is, and, um, and it is very concerning. And, after reading this, I, I am looking at this issue with a completely different perspective, um, especially after what happened at Harvard um, with uh, the their failure to uh, call out anti-Semitism. And I'm going to personally um, uh, pull what I would call a Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman is the billionaire hedge fund guy from Harvard who implored his uh, colleagues in finance not to hire any Harvard students because they're gone. Their minds are completely um, destroyed with and infected with with this with this poison. And in the future, when I have to hire doctors, and we hire lots of doctors, or I'm going to be recruiting a fellow, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to um, uh, stalk them on their social media feeds, and I'm going to find out what kind of person they are. And if they are people who are infected with this poison that we need to have social justice in healthcare they're gone i don't want them they are they have no place in my practice or in my training program and i know that's uncomfortable for people to hear that but that's the only way to root this out you've got to call people on this and you've got to hold them accountable you know, people are wearing masks all over the country and committing crimes, um, and we don't know who they are. Well, these people um, aren't committing crimes, but they are advocating for actions that are criminal and 
we can easily find out who they are with a little bit of digging. So, um, more on radical Marxism. And that would be the transgender movement. And there's another article in here uh, that I thought was was uh, really very interesting. Um, this piece, also in Healthcare News, is entitled "Get Ready for a Tsunami of Lawsuits Against Adolescent Trans Medicine." Now, why is this article important? Well, transgender medicalization it has has gotten out of control. It is it is the um, issue du jour um, for healthcare. And again, this is an issue. Gosh, I have been discussing this issue for probably the last six years, um, maybe more, because there was an effort starting to uh, go in this direction, and um, and I and I I and some others saw the handwriting on the wall, and I started talking about this a while ago. And it wasn't until the last few years that it's really caught on and been embraced by the mainstream media and by um, by the population writ large. Everybody's an expert on this, just like everybody is an expert on COVID. You know, I, during the COVID pandemic, when doctors who knew things were being put down for saying things that were against the party line, against the government position. And you had pundits, really useful village idiots who know nothing about healthcare, but who purported to know so much because they read about it and had no experience in, in healthcare at all. They were experts. Same is true in climate change. You have, how many people think that they know about climate change, really know about it. not very many really know data. They're not scientists. They just know the emotions behind it, but they're experts on it. Well, the same is true with this issue, transgender medicine. There's, there's a medical side to this, which has been ignored, but has um, uh, hurt so many people. And let me let me um, dive into this article a little bit because this will again emphasize, illustrate this left Marxist movement, which is to disrupt our society. There's nothing, nothing that is more clear than what a man is or what a woman is. You are, you are born with, um, with chromosomes and you were born with genitalia. Now, sometimes that genitalia is, is abnormal because there are problems in the development of the genitalia that can result in things not looking the way the chromosomes were 
set up to help to um, develop in. Um, there are some people who have <clears throat> imprinting in their brains and they may have sexual orientation that is not what you would expect in a hetero, um, uh, well, in, in, in a, a heterosexual direction. You would, would expect a man to be attracted to a woman and vice versa. Depending on how your brains are imprinted, that may not be the case. What's completely crazy are men who want to be women or women who want to be men or who are, who feel that they need to change their bodies to to reflect that um okay if you're an adult you can do any of those things you can do anything to yourself and you have every right to do it but when you start giving children the ability to do that and when you aid and abet in that, you are, in my opinion, engaging in child abuse and criminal activity. Now, transgender medicine is not, I repeat, not based on science. It is based on ideology. Now, a lot of what is happening in this transgender movement is, is based on the, quote, Dutch studies and the myth of reliable research in pediatric gender medicine. And um, the Dutch studies was an experiment that was funded in uh, between 2011 and 2014 by the pharmaceutical company, Fering. Now, what does Fering make? Surprise, surprise, a puberty blocker called Triptoralin. So, these studies basically said that it was safe to give puberty blockers to children who have gender dysphoria and to allow them to progress through to find out where they are. They The thesis was that sexual transition through hormonal manipulation by puberty blockers or hormone reversal or even worse from surgery could benefit adolescents. And to make matters worse, the World Health Organization supported this and they created standards of care, which is the Bible for gender ideologists. <clears throat> and um, the policy goal of these people is to remove, remove all barriers to medical gender transition. So the latest iteration of the um, uh, SOC, the Standards of Care, is that there should be no minimum age for sexual transition. 
and that adolescents who have reached Tanner stage two of puberty should be allowed to have their puberty suppressed. Now, Tanner stage two is really, really young. In boys, it can be as early as nine or ten. In girls, it's, it's, um, it could be even a little bit earlier. So this is what we're up against. There are people out there who have no problem allowing children to do this. These gender ideologists, ideologues, work their, their craft by manipulating language. How do they do that? Well, they've used the term that you've all heard of, gender-affirming care. And this is, again, Marxist ideology. This is an example of what um, the father of critical race theory, Herbert Marcuse, called liberating tolerance. Liberating tolerance means that only views supporting liberation are tolerated and censorship, repression, and when necessary, violence are justified against anyone who opposes them. We just got through talking about any means necessary with medical students. Same ideology, same people. They get groups that have a grievance. They amplify it. They get other people who are useful village idiots to support this and to glom onto this, whether it is transgender, whether it is um, Palestinian rights, whether it is DEI. It is all the same thing. These people are trying to disrupt things. So these these gender ideologists are using language to um, achieve their goals. And anyone opposed to sexual adolescent transition must be silenced. They must be canceled, shunned, humiliated, vilified, because anybody who speaks against this is a bad, bad person. Well, um, there's an organization that has uh, um, been created that has pushed back against all of this nonsense, thank God. And it's called Genspect. And it is um, a group that is fighting back against this nonsense of gender-affirming care and the gender ideologists. And this group keeps pointing out that there is no quality evidence, zero, supporting the use of puberty blockers for children and no studies showing that sexual transition in adolescence leads to long-term positive mental, physical, social, or romantic outcomes when compared to watchful waiting or counseling 
and psychotherapy. And these are the conservative approaches that as doctors, we should be embracing. That's the whole purpose of being a doctor who swears to the Hippocratic Oath. Do no harm. Well, this is going to come back to haunt the medical profession because there are now currently nine lawsuits filed um, in the United States, and there are others in Europe, uh, um, by detransitioners. These are people who ha- feel that they have been fooled, they have been hoodwinked, they have been lied to and taken advantage of by the medical community. And one significant lawsuit is against the Academy of Pediatrics. The Academy of Pediatrics supports gender transition. And this lawsuit also mentions and names as one of the plaintiffs, Jason Rafferty, Dr. Jason Rafferty, who's the author of the 2018 AAP policy statement and one of the biggest advocates of gender-affirming hormone treatments. And these treatments have serious, long-term, irrevocable um, repercussions. European countries have already abandoned gender transition in adolescence. We're not. We have the state of Minnesota. That's a um, a sanctuary state for adolescents who want to go through gender transition. This is without their parents' no, um, uh, permission, by the way. And this is this is criminal. And um, what we're going to start to see is an avalanche of these lawsuits. And this is likely going to be the greatest medical litigation explosion ever seen and maybe one of the biggest medical scandals ever. But it doesn't matter to the left. These people were were useful to their purposes of disrupting everything because they don't care about people. They only care about their cause, which is to disrupt our society. And the sooner you all understand this and start pushing back, the faster we will get back to normalcy. But this is a war. This is the war of the Marxists against our society. And we've got to stop this. Otherwise, our society is gone. I wanted to um, share with you an interesting article from Epic Times, which is um, a, uh, a a great newspaper that really um, uh, write, reports things that often are never reported in mainstream newspapers, 99% of which are run by Marxists. Um, this article is entitled Behind the Biggest Nurse Exodus in 40 Years. Um, anybody who has been in a hospital um, has likely experienced a nurse shortage. Not being able to find a nurse if you're in the hospital, your loved one is in the hospital, because there just aren't enough of them. 
in um, 2021, there was the largest exodus of nurses from healthcare ever recorded. A hundred thousand nurses left the profession. And these nurses were primarily younger nurses, younger than the expected nurses over age 50. And this is very concerning. Now, a report by the American Association of Colleges of Nursing blames the shortage on general trends, three of them. Number one, retirement. Number two, a lack of education and training for their replacements. And number three, a rapid growth of an aging population that requires health care services, but there's not enough nurses. Now, all of these things may be true, but that's not the reason a 100,000 nurses left nursing in one year. There are more serious issues behind why that's happening. And when you talk to nurses, overwhelmingly, they blame two things, the corporatization of healthcare and vaccine mandates. Now, the, um, the, uh, nurses are, um, are angry that there is, um, private equity behind taking over nursing, uh, behind taking over healthcare hospitals. Um, this is something that is, is happening. Uh, and they have no respect for, for patient care. They don't care about patient care. I'm trying to get to this article, so bear with me because it's an outstanding article. Um, these nurses privately say that when the hospitals began operating like businesses, like corporations, instead of being focused on taking care of the sick, um, they were asking nurses to take on a huge, huge um, burden that uh, they were not um, expected to take on in the past. And that has to do with maximizing profits. Any business tries to get the most out of employees for the least amount of money. They want to reduce their overhead. And the hospitals acting like businesses are no exception. So they um, have allowed the attrition of nurses, and they don't pay them as well. It's better to pay a young nurse who has no experience far less money than an experienced nurse who can do the job better and in half the time as a new young nurse. But these businesses don't care. But a big part of what happened had to do with COVID. During COVID, hospitals did not support nurses. They let them go. They furloughed them. They did not uh, keep their workforce in place. And nurses were resentful. They felt that um, they worked very hard initially during the pandemic. And then when it became clear that the hospitals were not going to be up to speed and not being able to see the volume of patients that they usually did for elective surgeries and other services that they had to shut down because of COVID, they let nurses go. And the nurses remembered this and they left. And many of them did not come back to the profession. Um, but many of them 
went to work as what we call travelers, which was a completely new industry that was born out of the pandemic. So what's a traveler? Well, a traveler is a nurse that goes someplace else to fill the need that the hospital or the the practice has um, for nursing care. And these nursing positions are filled by a business, an agency that signs up nurses and gets them um, uh, a, a salary that's often um, four to ten times more than they were making. Some of these nurses were making seven to ten thousand dollars a week by traveling, which is is far more than um, uh, a nurse typically would make, more than I make. Um, and, um, and this was resentful to the nurses who stayed on, who were working in the hospital, who were seeing these people who had no, um, uh, or, or they, they were not, um, part of that institution. Many of them were not qualified to do the job, but they were getting paid far more than they were getting paid. And so what happens? They leave. And it's a a vicious cycle. It's a snowball that just keeps rolling downhill. And this is, this has been one of the biggest challenges for um, our healthcare system for hospitals because they've had a, a critical nursing shortage that was created by this. The second part of this had to do with the vaccine mandates. Um, there was um, a, uh, a, a mandate that was put in place by so many hospitals that imp- the nurses needed to get vaccinated or they needed to leave. And so many nurses did not want to get vaccinated. They felt that they were exposed to COVID early on. So why should they get vaccinated now for a vaccine that they had questions about, that they knew um, had risks that they saw people having um, side effects from that they were uncomfortable with. And yet these institutions um, were steadfast. They were, they were saying that if these nurses did not get vaccinated, if they refused the COVID-19 vaccine, that they would lose their jobs. And so many of them decided that they were going to lose their jobs. They were going to leave. In New York, Northwell Hospital, Northwell Healthcare System, um, saw 1,400 employees who resigned or terminated for refusing the vaccine. And this should not be the case. They're not doctors. Doctors are the only ones who should be making the recommendation whether or not somebody needs to be vaccinated. Not a business, not a hospital, and certainly not the government. Now, because Biden administration noticed that there was a reluctance in the healthcare industry to take this vaccine, they imposed a vaccine mandate on November 5th, 2021 on healthcare workers. We experienced that in my practice because we have people in my practice who go into hospitals and they couldn't go into the hospitals 
unless they were vaccinated. Or even worse, we have offices that are run, that are basically owned by hospital systems. And the hospital system, um, dictated that everybody in their system needed to be vaccinated, which included people in private practices who worked in those buildings. This is absolutely insane. And, and this was, this is really what led to this nursing shortage. It's not, it's not so much the, the lack of training or the, uh, aging population. It's the way that we have treated nurses. And we've not taken them, uh, we, we have taken them for granted and we have not, um, supported them. And, um, and much of this has to do, um, again, with the direction that healthcare is moving in. It's moving in a very negative direction. And um, if we don't start to um, reclaim where we're, uh, where, where, what our healthcare system is looking like, whether it's in our trainees or it's in our hospitals, it's in our with our nurses, we are going to. Um, uh, really, um, suffer the consequences. It's coming. Winter is coming. Um, we're really reaching the end of the show. We have one minute. So, um, I'm not going to get into some of the other articles that I had flagged because there's, this was, this, uh, month there were just a plethora of, of incredibly good articles. I'll, I'll try to save one for next time. But uh, I want to thank you all for <clears throat> joining me today in the doctor's lounge. Um, uh, I want to remind everybody <clears throat> to, about our promotion for hosting the show, which I talked about at the beginning of the show, and uh, remind everybody to go to the Docs for Patient Care website and sign up for Nuts and Bolts Direct Primary Care Conference March 14th to 16th. Come back um, to the show next week and join my co-host, Dr. Scott, who will be with you. Thank you for joining me today in the Doctor's Lounge, and be well. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.